as a handful of the Penguins players start to trickle into Cranberry, and that's all it is. It's a handful. It's not more than that. It's at least enough to get the brain jogged a bit toward wondering what a hockey season might look like. And unfortunately, I'll underscore the word might. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio podcasting network. This is the Daily Shot of Penguins. I did a regular old Daily Shot show for a few months that encapsulated all of Pittsburgh's teams and never was really all that wild about it. Wanted to split them up into separate shows, so here we are. And yes, I can talk hockey 366 days a year. There's no such thing as a dearth of subject matter where I'm concerned as relates to hockey. The thought that I had cross my mind upon Jim Rutherford telling DK Pittsburgh Sports this week that some players were starting to pass through town, some of them putting on skates, some of them working on the rink in Cranberry was the constitution of the schedule as applied to the constitution of the roster. And trying to piece that together, because that's kind of an alphabet soup sentiment I just expressed there, it's that the Penguins have obviously a group that's still built on older superstars. You can try to get younger, fresher, faster around them, and to an extent the Penguins and Rutherford have done that a little bit, not as much as I'd hoped, but a little bit this offseason. But the fact of the matter is you're going to go as far as Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang will take you, as we saw, I should point out fairly, in the Montreal series when none of those three were especially superstar-like. I don't think they were bad, but I don't think they rose above anything either. And they need to be that. They need to be healthy and energetic and everything else. So take that and combine that with word coming from various NHL channels in the past few days that if and when the league and the Players Association come to an agreement about how to conduct a 2021 season, meaning financially, meaning from you know how the players get paid standpoint, that you're in all likelihood talking about a season that will open in early February, as I've been saying all along. It's still January 1, by the way, as far as the NHL is concerned. They're still saying January 1. Uh, it won't be that. I've been saying that all along. There's just way too many factors, not least of which is the ongoing pandemic and its actual effects on humanity, that the league just wasn't about to get started with something. It's just not a great look and a great feel, even if you can pull it off, you know, as we're seeing now with the struggles that the NFL uh, in particular is having as the only active league. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by our friends at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. 
One dollar is all it takes to provide enough food for up to five meals. If you go to their website, it's growsharethrive.org. There's a calculator there for you that shows you how far your donation goes. There's a lot of times that people think to themselves, if I donate X amount of dollars, it's just like if I were to take you know, people in need of food to the grocery store or something. It's not like that at all. That's not the way this system is. Uh, these are meals that are made uh, ready to eat, ready to serve, and they're made in such a way that they are extremely inexpensive. One dollar, five meals, do the math. Visit growsharethrive.org to help the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. So if the NHL starts in early February, and if you take seriously, and I do, the notion that NBC will not want anything at all interfering or overlapping in any way, shape, or form with the Tokyo Olympics that take place in August, realistically, the Stanley Cup has to be raised in July and no later than that. It could be the last week or the second to last week of July, depending on when opening ceremonies are set, but it will not cross into Olympic territory. So it's not like the NHL can just say, well, we're just going to delay the season and we're just going to play it all out and we can push next season back. They don't want to go or they can't go into the Olympics and they don't want to interfere with the following season. The reason for that is they want to be able to promise all of their TV networks, all of their sponsors, and yes, all of their you know season ticket holders and so forth, hey, you can come back, you can buy season tickets for this following season and know that you're going to get an 82-game schedule and 41 home games. That's really, really important to their business because most tickets for sporting events, the overwhelming majority of them, are sold way, 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 way before a game is played, contrary to public misperception. People think they just make up their minds to go see the game that night and they walk up to the ticket window. Not how it works. Not how it works. So you have a wall at the beginning and you have a wall at the end. And the question is, how many games can you fit in there? Most estimates on this are that you would get like a 48-game, maybe 56-game regular season. And that's it. You obviously will skip all the frills, all-star games, outdoor classics, and all that other stuff. You'll probably have a lot of back-to-backers. You'll have three games in four nights and that sort of thing. You're also going to see teams on this schedule, presuming they all stay inside their division, which I believe they will, which, by the way, will be, like, great from competitive purposes, you know? Just playing nothing other than the teams that are in your division. A lot of nastiness. If you work these games out in a way that it's 48 or 56, and I would think 48, especially when you're talking about starting in February, I think that's good for the local club. I do. Uh, You're not tasking Sid and Gino with staying healthy over 82 games. You're not putting anywhere in the back of anyone's mind 
that they need to be uh, Iron Man and spread themselves out so that they pace themselves to stay healthy. And you know I'm talking about Phil Kessel when I say that. Phil Phil's the ultimate Iron Man for a reason because he just turned away from every possible check. Um, I think if you know that it's a, a sprint, you know, to use the term that the baseball people were using last summer with the 60-game schedule that they had, if you know that these games are going to be played in a way where the travel is not going to be as demanding, and it absolutely will not be, no matter how the divisions in the United States get structured. If the Penguins stay in some semblance of a Metro division plus Boston, I mean, Boston, like if you were just traveling like the way I do to these games, the only place you'd be flying to would be Boston. And Penguins, of course, will fly everywhere. That's just how it goes. But they're hop, skip, and jump flights. It's a much, much easier way to get around. And on top of that, the league is very seriously looking at having teams stay in a city and play more than one game. In other words, you've already made the trip to New York. You don't just play the Rangers once. You might play them back-to-back at Madison Square Garden. You might play them Friday, Sunday, and get a day off in between or something. But you won't make repeat trips to that city. It'll be treated more like a baseball series, to use that parallel again. Again, that favors a team like the Penguins. It doesn't have to be. Uh, a battle of attrition or a battle of staying strong and healthy and everything else. Uh, Anything that keeps those three guys in particular, but I shouldn't discount the others too because Jake Gensel has been hurt at times and you need him in the lineup. You need a 40-goal guy out there and other players. You need to keep them healthy, and the, the best way to do that always, always, always in Any athletic competition is fewer events. That's just, you know, law of averages. So I think this could be good. I I don't know that there's much of a difference between 48 and 56 or whatever, but I think this is overall going to be a positive for the Penguins. When we come back, I'll be joined by Taylor Haas to talk some prospects. Welcome back. It wasn't so long ago that we were talking about the Penguins not having any goaltending prospects, and suddenly over the course of the summer in this pandemic, that's changed a lot. Joining me now is Taylor Haas of DK Pittsburgh Sports. She covers the Penguins' entire system for us. Hi, Taylor. Hi. Great to be back. And let's talk about goaltending prospects because you have been in direct contact uh, with at least – not not one. You've been in touch with a couple of them here through the course of this pandemic here. And it's funny that last year we were talking about how there really weren't any goaltending prospects. I mean, maybe, you know, Emil Army to an extent. I don't know how seriously he's taken Alex Dorio to an extent. But look, the Penguins must have sent somebody a message loud and clear by taking back-to-back goaltenders in this past draft, right? 
Yeah, I mean, whenever you talk to, you know, the scouts or, you know, Patrick Alvin about, you know, the, the strategy going into the drafts, it's always, you know, best player available. And and the first thing I asked Alvin after the draft was, um, you know, taking two goalies with the first two picks, was that a case of they just happened to be the best player available or, you know, was their thought into restocking the goalie prospect pool? And he said it was it was it was a mix of both. Like they wanted to restock the goalie prospect pool, but they also really believe in in these two players. Yeah, and they're always going to give a diplomatic answer. Um, but I, I think when you go back to the trading of Philip Gustafson, uh, and then on top of that, now way more prominently, infinitely more prominently, the trading of Matt Murray, you were going to have to start bringing in some additional goaltending blood uh, of some kind. Whether those, those are going to be the kinds that are immediately in the pro ranks, and obviously the two Europeans they just picked up won't be that. But what about what they have immediately below Pittsburgh? Because let's take Jim Rutherford at his word that he trusts Casey DeSmith to be the backup to Tristan Jari in Pittsburgh. Uh, what are you looking at in the AHL? What are you looking at even below that in the ECHL? Uh, I mean, so there's there's not uh, really a whole lot of debate here. I think the third goal. So, you know, we have Jari and Casey to Smith probably is the, the tandem in Pittsburgh. Um, below that, uh, probably your starter in, in Wilkes-Barre is going to be Max mm-hmm. uh, Legacy, who they, right. uh, they signed on uh the opening day of free agency, um, he was he was in Providence in the AHL last year. But I mean, before that, he was um, Veg- Vegas's third goalie, and in Vegas' mm-hmm. inaugural season, I mean, he he played a significant role. Um, not not quite a prospect. I think he's uh, 27, I believe, so I, I'm a little bit older. And then he'll probably be, you know, have Valarmi with him. And then um, Dorio could either, you know, be a third goalie in Wilkes-Barre or go down to Wheeling. Um, and then, you know, Wheeling has their own goaltenders. Uh, that they what sign. are we excited about? Are we excited about any of these guys? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, so, it's so hard to predict, uh, you know, the future success of goalies, especially yes. when, they're, when they're that young. And that's why... Um, I mean, they took uh, Joel Blomquist in the second round and 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 Kali Klang in the in the third round because I mean it's, it's like playing the lottery, so you might as well have uh, as many tickets as you can. I mean, because those two guys will you know continue developing in, in Finland, Sweden for um, probably at least one more year. But as as far as the guys in Wilkesbury already, I I don't know about I I, I mean Larmy is the better of the two goalies between you know between him and Dorio. Uh, you know, and it's, it, it's hard to say. Larmy, um, he's, I'd, I'd compare him to Fleury. He's a very athletic goalie. Um, definitely, uh, a, a bit too aggressive. And that's one of the things that Volucci pointed out that, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to like reel him back in. Um, but, uh, just, he has a lot of talent. I think that, you know, just gonna refine it. Yeah. There's, I mean, we've seen, um, in Pittsburgh, young goaltenders who have, uh, extraordinary athleticism and, and, and Larmy has the physical skills. Yeah. Compete in the NHL, there's no question, but he, he's not exactly quiet and believe it or not, I'm actually not referring to his vocal social media presence. When I say that he, I'm referring to his body motions, his mechanics, he's not quiet. He doesn't have economy of motion. And just to complete the thought, Tristan Jari was a lot like that 
going back to his time with the Edmonton Oil, Oil Kings in, in the WHL and then coming up through the Penguin system, what they kept telling him was just stay within yourself. Don't overextend things. Be athletic, but be athletic within the crease. And when he came up, you remember this? Not this past year, but the year before. And he had that amazing run uh, right in front of us. And we're like, whoa, this kid is unbelievably athletic compared to Matt Murray. Yeah. And it, it just, it, it takes time, like you said, to bring them in. Yeah, and it, it's, you know, going back to the two they have in Europe in, in Blomquist and Kling, I mean, that that's why I don't think it's that big of a deal that they took two um, goalies, you know, with their first two picks in this draft because, uh, I mean, these guys, there's just really no predicting, you know, where they could end up. You look back to 2012, um, they took uh, Matt Murray. Um, Murray was a third rounder, right? Mm-hmm. And then th- I, it was, I, you know, I think 30 picks later, not that far away, they took Sean McGuire. And so, I mean, that's two goalies, you know, kind of, you know, really not drafted that far apart. Murray went on to win two cups. Sean McGuire played two um, bad ECHL seasons and then retired. So, I mean, when you're when you're looking at 18 year old goalies, there's really no telling how they'll pan out. No, that's, that's why yeah. there's that's why you know Mark Andre Fleury was the only number one overall pick, you know, in draft history, uh, you know, as a, as a goaltender. Um, and even then when it happened in his year, there were people, and I was on the floor that day still saying, there's no way Pittsburgh's actually going to take a goalie. No way, no way, because they're so unpredictable. Uh, it's, I see it from the Penguin standpoint, Taylor, as the same way that I do with the baseball draft where a GM will tell you, I got to draft 20 starting pitchers to find one. Um, That's not quite the ratio in hockey, but you've got to have a lot of goaltenders in your system in order to get one that really means something. Yeah. And that's the good, good thing about drafting, you know, two of these European guys, because they'll continue developing in um, Europe for, you know, at least another year. And, and they're, they're playing professionally already. Um, neither of them are full-time in their, the top leagues yet um, in their country. Blomquist, he, he has played in Liga before, but right now he's, he's mostly playing in the second tier league um, in Finland. And then Klung hasn't played in the Swedish hockey league yet, but he's playing in the second tier Osvin scan. Um, and, neither of them are on good teams. So they are, you know, facing a lot of shots. That's good though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's you all, you want your goalie prospects to be on crappy teams. We have found that out over the years. Stay busy. You know, nobody wants to know how good you are at stopping one shot every 18 minutes. Well, I mean, and that's, I mean, uh, now Larmy, he came from a, a Finnish championship team, but I mean, Dorio, uh, was on a really bad, uh, you know, St. John's Z-Dog yeah. team in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the queue. And, um, you know, when, whenever I asked Kyoto about him, he always, um, they, they he, he said, you know, they, they like that about him. That he's, oh, uh, positive. And, yeah. yeah. Well, and, because and you know, then you also get a chance to see how he deals with adversity and what his mental game is like. And uh, so they, they do like that. Andy Kyoto, the Penguins development coach, knows something about playing behind bad teams and facing a zillion high danger scoring chances. He was the Penguins guy during those Rico Fatty years when that happened to him a lot. Read Taylor Haas's coverage uh, every day in DK Pittsburgh Sports, especially once we have hockey again someday, you know? That would be nice. <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks. When we come back, just one question. Point Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real world experience and career building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org. Welcome back. Time for Just One Question. You, of course, can send your Just One Question my way through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I don't care. Just get them here. It doesn't matter to me. I'm pretty easy to reach. Uh, today's just one question comes from Doug DiBiase. He asks, what should the Penguins do with their goalie situation for next season? Obviously, Tristan Jari is the starter. What do you do at the backup spot? Casey DeSmith has NHL experience, but if Jari's play lags, then I feel you need someone a little bit more accomplished than DeSmith. Do you go for a Thomas Vokun-type backup? Um, Doug, I've got more faith in Casey DeSmith to be an NHL backup than you do from the sound of it. Uh, we've seen him do it. We've seen him be a consummate professional. And we saw one winter where he did it so well that he took away Matt Murray's job, which previously had been completely unthinkable. So I'm not down on him. Um, to throw in another variable into this, if the season is as short as we expect, I don't imagine that your backup goaltender is going to get a ton of action. Now, there are going to be back-to-back games. There are going to be uh, games played against the same team in the same city and so forth that maybe you'll want to throw a different look at that opponent the next time you face them. So I'm not suggesting that DeSmith won't play at all. I'm also not suggesting that DeSmith wouldn't have a chance to be the number one goalie if something were to go wrong with Jari, either from a health or performance standpoint. To answer your question directly, no. Jim Rutherford is not going to add another goaltender. Um, a lot of people didn't notice this, but he did add Maxime Lagasse uh, over the offseason. He was the number three goaltender in Vegas, if his name rings a bell. This was in their expansion year, so he got out there uh, quite a bit because Marc-Andre Fleury was hurt early on as was Malcolm Subban. So he played quite a bit. Um, he's got NHL experience. He's going to be the main guy in Wilkes-Barre Scranton, presuming that there's an AHL season, which also is not yet known. So you could have a situation where, you know, either one, DeSmith or Lagasse, will be available to you as depth. And look, the other thing that you can do 
remember is if something does go wrong with your number one goaltender, that's when you can go and make your move. I don't think you need to do it now when you're up against the salary cap the way the Penguins are. Uh, And I also don't think you need to do it when you've already got a backup goaltender who's on a one-way NHL contract, meaning to Smith. Uh, Also, this might also have escaped attention last season, but DeSmith was being paid that way the whole year down in Wilkes-Barre. That's how much Rutherford values having his quote-unquote Jeff Zadkoff type down in Wilkes-Barre. No, the answer is no. He's not going to do that, but you never know what could happen over the course of the season before the trade deadline. Thanks so much for that. Thanks to everybody for listening today.